0: So uh, it's good to see you all again, and uh, it is. I, I when I was standing back there and thinking about coming up, uh, the Lord just impressed upon me uh, yet again, and I just want I want to communicate to, this to you. I do not take for granted the responsibility or the honor to stand before you and declare the word of the Lord. It is um, it is heavy on my heart each week. It is something that um, I don't do by rote. I don't do by process. I do. I, I seek. Uh, I really do seek the Lord for what um, that you know what He wants me to share. Um, out of that flows, I think, sometimes my personality, sometimes humor, sometimes silliness. And, and I guess for, to to some degree, I apologize for that. I am kind of who I am and I've learned and grown that way. And, and so, um, but today it's really, I'm, I'm excited about today's message because of what it means to me personally. Okay. And so this one flows out of like this one, I don't mean this to sound bad, but this one was for me and you all get to hear it. Like, um, and so I pray that the Lord does use it in your lives, I, th- I think he can. It's not such a personal message that it would only apply to me. Like I didn't get, God didn't write Exodus chapter twenty four just for Mitch Dobson. Like, like we all can share on this one, right? Uh, but Exodus twenty four, I feel like I should slide this way a little bit. Um, Exodus twenty four, you know, is is I'm calling victory in presence. Victory and presence, and we'll see uh, that play out a little bit in a couple of different ways. It's a it's a touch of a play on word, uh, a play on words with respect to both being present in the moment, but also kind of being in someone's or in the Lord's presence. Um, so so let's let's start in our, our situation, Exodus twenty four one to two, and He said unto Moses, Come up into the uh, under the Lord up unto the lord thou aaron uh, nadab and abihu and 70 of the elders of israel and worship ye afar off and moses alone came near the lord and they but they shall not come up nigh neither shall the people go up with him so we have a kind of an interesting situation where god is called a handful, I'll just a, a small contingent of people to him and then Moses even a little farther uh, echoing, if you will, uh, those disciples following Christ, right? Some folks followed him from afar. Some folks got a little closer. Some folks followed him, uh, you know, through his whole ministry. Some, you know, uh, and really John was the one that followed him to the cross. So we'll see that not everybody's going to follow at every step of the way, and that's okay. But but it's interesting because we can't forget that God has finished his several chapter instruction to Moses, so um, so this goes all the way back to Exodus twenty twenty two. Like literally, if you go in a few pages, if you if you have a, if you have a printed Bible in front of you, Exodus twenty twenty two, starting in that verse, all of those verses up to this point, all those um, you know the various judgments, the Sabbath day, the three national feasts the possession of land, all the things we've been talking about over the last month and change was all one conversation. So if if it was if I was in Moses' shoes and God said, "Okay, I want you to communicate this to the nation or children of Israel," I would have got out my piece of paper kind of like Shane did this morning where he started writing really big and down here the letters are a little smaller. I don't know if you noticed that. But but God keeps I don't want to say piling on, but he keeps giving Moses more information. And Moses would be like writing on the edge of the paper and he turns it over. Like, that would be me. Like, I was expecting smaller amount. You know, I was expecting like, just thus saith the Lord kind of bam, like tweetable quotes. But God gives him several chapters of information to go and deliver. And then he's like, and then he's like, and then come basically come back to me and bring people with you, okay? And so we can't lose track of the fact that God commands Moses to come back to the mount at the time he's just concluding the message to go. I I, I hope I communicated that because already God is looking forward to the point where he and Moses can reconnect as he's delivering this longer message where he says, Go and, and institute these things with the children of Israel. Okay? I'm giving you four chapters worth, three, three and a half chapters worth of stuff. But when you're done, come back and bring folks with you. Okay? And an amazing pattern emerges emerges here. So you have some fill-in-the-blanks, but I also want you to draw the little arrows in if you're if you're taking notes on, on your, your pages, because You learn from the Lord, you go interact with others. We call that ministry. Sometimes that's in the form of a preaching or teaching ministry. Sometimes that's in the form of a discipleship ministry. Sometimes that's in the form of a counseling ministry. Sometimes it takes different formats, okay? But you get something from the Lord, you go minister, but the cycle, if you will, the process doesn't end You need to come back to the Lord. Now, I'm gonna say things like that, and you're like, well, I never really leave the Lord in the process of minister. Like, when I go to minister the Lord, I'm with the Lord, right? Yes, we are applying an Old Testament paradigm to a New Testament uh, illustration or a, a practicalness. So yes, the Lord goes with you to minister. You don't come down from the mountain and leave him up on the mountain. I get it, doctrinally. But practically your focus may be on the Lord, and then when you go to minister, your focus is often on those you're ministering to, okay? And you can't lose track of the relationship with the Lord. Like, it's really, really important. And so God builds in this kind of cycle to come back at the end of this, of this really long message, right? At this really long... Um, I don't know, monologue, diatribe, this communication that he gives to Moses. He's like, and when you're done, come back and bring people with you. There's another lesson there. And we'll, we'll touch on that in a little bit. Okay, so this cycle, this amazing pattern emerges of learning, ministering, and getting back at the feet of Jesus. Okay, back at the feet of the Lord. Notice, and I'm sorry, I know it's on here. I don't, you can actually, if you wanna turn to Luke 14, it might be better. Luke 14 and verse 16, we actually see this pattern in a parable. Then said he unto him, A certain man made a great supper and bade many, and he sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. So the master sends the, they interact, and he sends his servant to go get people to come. And they all with one consent began to make excuse, right? This is and I skipped it here on but remember it's like um the first said unto him, I bought a piece of ground, I must needs go and see it. Uh, which is weird, I think, that you'd buy ground without seeing it. Uh, I pray thee, have, have me excused. Another said, I bought five yoke of oxen and I go to prove them. Again, a little weird that you would buy oxen but not have proved them, right? And then the third says, there, uh, and I, therefore I cannot come. Uh, and another said, i married a wife, uh, you know, therefore I can't come. And he you know, doesn't have to go prove the wife out. So that servant came and showed the Lord these things. So the servant and the master interact, he goes and ministers, and he comes back to the master. And then the master of the house, uh, being angry, said to his servant, go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. There's obviously other layers and aspects, practical aspects of this, of this parable, but let's focus on the, the topic at hand. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded. Which means he left, did the ministry, and came back, and yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. I don't know if you see it, but the master and the servant relationship is one of tasks. Okay? It's one of ministry and returning. Once you've done that ministry, returning to the Lord and saying, okay, now what? What? Not necessarily what's next, because that's how I that's how I focus. Is I I check that box. I you know Saturdays are a big day. I I get stuff done. Honeydew list, right? And I don't know why they call it after a fruit. I've never understood why they call the list after a fruit, but they do. I prefer to have a cantaloupe list personally, but a honeydew list. I think I might have that wrong, but anyway. Um, so. So I, I, yesterday, I don't know, I had a handful of things. My list was this long on, on, on my list and the dishwasher was full. So, and it had just gotten done. So I added it to the bottom of the list and then emptied the dishwasher so I could write, scratch it off. Anybody else with me? Sometimes you add things that you're going to do anyway. Just like take out the trash. Oh, take out the trash. Uh, Right. So I had a list. I'm a very, I'm a soon as that one's done, I was like, okay, now I'm on to that one. Okay, now I'm on to that one. But in my case, I'm consulting a list that I made. Ministry is different. The Lord might say, go and do something to test our faithfulness. Like, I don't want to go into a lot of detail with this, but over the last few weeks, the Lord has really impressed upon my heart a step of faith that I needed to take. And I took that step of faith, and he closed the door— and someone on the other end of that ministry came back to me and really connected in a genuine way. It was like, thank you for doing that. And I didn't really do anything. I just kind of reached out. And the point is, sometimes the task is faithfulness. It doesn't have to be three points in a poem. It doesn't have to be preaching the word necessarily, although that's many like. That's on my ministry. I have a responsibility. You all would, I would like to think you all would be disappointed if I just didn't show up one day and we didn't have a message. I don't know, maybe there would be much rejoicing. I don't know. But you have come to expect it. I have an obligation, okay? I have a, no, I have a responsibility, not an obligation, I have a responsibility And so it's easy to just look at the next responsibility as an obligation, right? But the key here is we have to reconnect with the Lord and make sure that he's not changing our direction. He's not changing the course or just to stay at his feet. That's what happens with with this servant. Like literally the rules of engagement change. The servant is doing fundamentally different things at the end than he was at the beginning, at least to different people right? We also see this uh, you know, in Jesus. Notice he, he says a couple of things that I think are real interesting in the, in the great uh, shepherd passage in John 10. I am the door. By me, if, uh, if any man enter, he shall be, uh, be saved. And then notice he adds, and shall go in and out and find pasture. Like he doesn't just want us, and just hear me out, he doesn't want us to just stay at his feet, if you will. We do have a responsibility to take that message. That's why I think in part, he says, All power is given to me. Go ye therefore, and I will be with you. But go, and then I will join like join you. And I again don't don't hang on my specific words here. But, but in John sixteen, sixteen, a little while and ye shall not see me, and again a little while and ye shall see me, because I go to the Father. Like he was on a mission. He goes back to the Father. Like this inner in and out kind of activity or process is not abnormal, okay? The Lord commands and causes us to go and then causes us sometimes, many times, to return back to his feet to, to get a new vision, to get a renewed vision, okay? So it brings us to victory principle number one, the sustenance, sustenance the very, I would say, essence of ministry is time with the Lord. Like, if you don't have time with the Lord, what do you have to give anyone? Well, that which is of your flesh. Honestly, you can keep your flesh. I don't, I don't mean this bad, but like, if that's the only thing you're gonna give me to minister to me, like, like that's gonna bring me down. And I don't mean that bad. I love you guys. But th- if the only thing I've got to give you is of my flesh, you don't want it. Like, it's not gonna make... I mean, we might cut it up and we might joke about a riddle or we might talk sports or we might talk political or, you know, politics or just going on, going ons in the world. Like that whole submersible thing is just really fascinating to me. I don't know why, but I, anybody who wants to talk about it, we'll talk about it later. Like, but that's of my flesh. Like there's nothing I have of Mitch Dobson to offer you. The only thing that I have is that which I get from the Lord. Okay? So that brings us to the struggle though. So there's kind of two passages here and I think I've got it on your, uh, do I have this on your page? The, the 24, three through eight and then 13 and 14. And Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord, those chapters, and all the judgments and all the people answered with one voice and said, all the words which the Lord hath said we will do. Okay, well, that's an arguably successful ministry. Moses gets the message from the Lord, pretty long message. He goes, he tells the people those things. And they're like, we're on board. We're, we're, we'll do it. And Moses wrote all the words of the Lord and rose up early in the morning and built an altar under the hill and 12 pillars, according to the 12 tribes of Israel. And he sent young men unto the children of Israel or of the children of Israel, which offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen unto the Lord and Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins and half of the blood he sprinkled on the altar. He took the book of the covenant and read in the audience of the people. And they said, so this book of the covenant arguably is, are the words that he just got, done, just got done writing, right? And he reads them in the, the audience, uh, 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 audience of the people. And they said, all that the Lord hath said, we will do and be obedient. And Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people Okay, and said, behold the blood of the covenant which the Lord hath made with you concerning all these words. We're going to jump down into verse uh, 13 for a second. And Moses rose up and his minister, Joshua, and Moses went up into the Mount of God. So he did exactly what God told him to do. And he said unto the elders, tarry ye here for us until we come again unto you and behold Aaron and her with you. If any man have any matters to do, let him come unto them. Okay, I'm going to be gone. They'll take care of you. So this ministry, so this brought out two components here. Under this premise of looking at ministry, there's ministry of godly people, okay, of godly people. Now, this is ministry, and um, and I, I, may, I may have a typo on yours. I'm not sure if I do. Let me see if I do have a typo on yours. Yeah, the, the one is a, is a typo, so that just says it again. Somehow the numbering got, got wonky, so you can draw a line through that. But they listen to the preaching. This is what God's people do. They listen to the preaching. Moses returns, and he tells them what God said. So they listen, and then they respond. They said, okay, we're in. They, they proactively respond. Let me just plug a ministry that is kind of untapped in our church. And I'm just going to be honest. For a church, as, a, as if I've been lying this whole time, uh, I'm going to be transparent. <clears throat> we ought to be at the altar more than we are. I'm just going to throw it out there. We ought to be more broken than we are. Just throwing it out there. Like, my best... Spiritual moments of connection with the Lord. Some of my best spiritual connection with the Lord have been at the altar, where I'm just bearing my heart. Matter of fact, I'm just going to let you in a little bit—a little bit weirdness from the pastor, right? So from the senior pastor, I go forward a few weeks ago, and I'm just heavy. I just want to pray about the message. I just want to pray about the Lord. And a pastor—a pastor came over. Are you okay? Another pastor came over, everything good? As if the only reason, and I love these men, and I would say it if they were standing here, as if the only reason I was coming forward was as as if something was broken. Well, I guess by definition, something was a little broken, but I just needed time to just pour out my heart before the Lord. Could I have done that in the pew? Yep. But it was important for me to go and for me to pray. And I wasn't making a public, you know, hoo-ha about it, right? I wasn't trying to, to, to to get attention. Matter of fact, I never even thought me going forward would elicit Sam and another pastor responding to me with some sense of urgency as if something was wrong. Like that literally never entered my mind. We ought to be willing to move out of the pew and go forward and lay our petitions before him. We should be willing to do that. And I think in, in, in as loving of way as I can say it, I don't think we do that enough in our church. Amen. I don't think enough people rank and file Christians in this church. And I, I mean, by that, I mean everybody. Like I'm not, I'm not talking, I'm leaving visitors out. I'm leaving fringe people out. I'm talking folks that are faithful aren't, aren't broken before the Lord. They respond, godly people respond. They participate in the worship. So Moses sends these young men to sacrifice. Wait a minute, they're not priests. He, he basically goes, hey, hey y'all, Kaia, I need you, 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 and you. Go get a bunch of, of, of cows and bring them back and kill them. Like, it's, it's, it's an interesting, and again, we don't have time for all that, um, but then they, then they listen to the word again. They listen to the word a second time. Um, You know, Moses reads it uh, in verse 7, and they took the book of the covenant and read in the audience of the people. And they said, In case you didn't hear us the first time, Moses, all that the Lord said we will do, but they add, and will be obedient. They participate, uh, or I'm sorry, they participate in the worship, but they listen to the word, and then they obey. They go on record that they're going to follow the Lord, and they submit. They submit. And I used to think as when I was a younger man, it's easy for a pastor to say you should submit because in essence, that gives them more authority. But I don't know if you caught what Moses is doing here, but he captured half of the blood and he poured it on the people. They submitted to that. We'll also see them submit at some points. Men and different different points to circumcision, like that. This is not; these are not fun times. This is not like if I had to pour blood on each of you, I'd probably be laughing in the process. I'm not going to lie; I'd be like, but that's me. It would have been somber, serious. I shouldn't be laughing, but that's going to be weird. Like that's going to be a weird day. But they submit. They follow the elders then in verse nine. We, we talked about, um, well, we didn't see that right then, but, and then they wait on the Lord. They rose up and minister, uh, and, uh, Moses wrote up, uh, rose up and his minister Joshua. Moses went up into the Mount of God and he said unto the elders, tarry ye here for us, wait. They're anticipating. So they wait and then they trust. They trust in temporary leadership, Aaron and her. If you got any matters to do, let him come unto them. Now, there's ministry of the people, but there's ministry for godly people. So this is from the perspective, if you see yourself as a leader, we've already touched on some of these things, but a leader must communicate truth, that which is from the Lord. A leader must allow the people to respond. It's important to give them space to respond to the preaching. Leaders also, they stay with it. I don't know if you saw that with Moses, but the dude had just been up with God for probably a little bit of an extended period of time, he comes down has reads you know says all this stuff to the people, people commit, they go, they kill all these animals, he's pouring blood on the people, and then he gets up and he builds an altar and pillars like this dude's sticking with it like there is no after this long day, kind of a long day, he still woke up early to build an altar and pillars and leaders direct ministry, he oversaw this massive sacrifice that there was half of the blood was able to be poured on the people. And it probably was ceremonial blood pouring on the people. But folks, that's still a big deal. They also ensure the spiritual provision that everybody had the blood, had blood to be poured on them. They read from the book. They confirm commitment When they do that again, they get dirty. I don't know, like literally, I mean, you talk about a dirty ministry, pouring blood on people would not be a fun day for me. And then ultimately they trust those in ministry with them. And we talked about this a few weeks ago, that Moses had to learn early that the people, the men that were following him, that he put in leadership were gonna fail him. They were gonna fail God. And what does he do? Time after time after time, trust that the Lord's at work with them, with those same people, even though they failed. And I would argue in ways that are disqualifying, but not in ways that they weren't disqualifying in Moses or God's eyes. So I guess I have to change my perspective. So Paul exemplifies all of this with some of his disciples. And I just grabbed four verses Basically, the New Testament is littered with this from Paul's perspective. In 1 Corinthians 4, 17, Timotheus, who is my beloved son and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways, which be in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church. Like t- Paul trusts Timothy to do these things that, that Moses had to do with the, with the children of Israel. In 2 Corinthians uh, thirteen nine, for we are glad when we are weak and ye are strong. And this also we wish, even for your perfection. Like that, like I I heard that there was a guy who was disappointed in another guy's promotion to fellowship leader, okay? Like, why would you be disappointed in somebody else being blessed by the Lord with a responsibility? Like, why would you be disappointed with that? Like, be rejoicing, Rejoicing because that means the Lord prepared him, the Lord's got him ready, he's got something else for you. It's okay, it's okay. Even and Paul knows that it's better that he's weak and others are strong. It's kind of like Sam says, Need to get to a point where it's okay if your disciples slay tens of thousands, it's okay if you've only slayed your thousands. You get to participate. You get to rejoice in their slaying tens of thousands because you were part of their development. In First Thessalonians two eight, so being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but our own souls, because you were dear unto us. Like that's what sets Paul. What set Paul's ministry apart from so many of the the, the players and the fakes. In the New Testament, they might have been preaching Christ for, of, of contention or for own personal profit or something. But what set Paul's ministry apart was that he gave his very own soul. He had that burden for the, for the nation of, of, of Israel that he would literally rather be accursed if they would get saved. Let me just tell you, that is an insight into a minister's heart. When you're it's like, I will give you everything the gospel of god but oh not that only i'm going to give you my own soul real transparent real and for, titus 1:5 for this cause i left thee in Crete. i titus i'm giving you a purpose that thou should set us in order should set in order the things that are wanting and ordain elders in every city as i as, as i appointed thee so victory principle number 2 ministry is a two-way street it isn't as effective by yourself. And I toyed with this wording because I was going to say it's not effective by yourself. But I think there are times when you're called to do something of your own. But ministry's not as effective when it only involves one person. Right? If Moses just came down and stood in a big field and proclaimed the words and no one heard it, like, it's not the same story. Fundamentally. Now, are there times when God calls us just to be faithful and declare the word, like a, even like a, a, a Jonah, in a place where you have no guarantee that anybody's going to hear or act on it? Yeah, there are times when he does that. But generally, ministry is a two-way street. Okay? So the victory. Then went Moses up, and Aaron, and Nadab, and Abihu, and Seventy, the elders of Israel, just as God had said, right? Right? And they saw the God of Israel. Okay, time out. That's a big deal. I'm not spending much time here, but they saw the God of Israel. That's a big, big deal. 75 guys, Moses, Aaron, Nadab, Abihu. 74, do, well, actually, there's, there's arguably, well, J- Joshua's probably considered one of the, so 74 guys, it went from one interacting with God to 74. We, can't, we cannot forget that. And they saw God, uh, the God of Israel, and there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of sapphire stone, and as it were, the body of heaven in his, cle- in a, in his clearness. Like, whoo, like, I didn't even study it. I, that just blows my mind as it is. And upon the nobles of the children of Israel, he laid not his hand. Also, they saw God and did eat and drink. And then jump down to verse uh, 16. And the glory of the Lord abode upon Mount Sinai and the cloud covered it six days. And the seventh day he called unto Moses out of the midst of the cloud. And in sight of the glory of the Lord uh, and the sight of the glory of the Lord was like devouring fire on the top of the mountain in the eyes of the children of Israel. So if you saw it from the outside, it looked like it was devouring fire. And Moses went into the midst of the cloud and got him up in the mount. And Moses was in the mount 40 days and 40 nights. So this is really interesting. They saw God and did eat and drink. And they didn't jump out on anybody else like, oh, that's God. Anybody want any cake? Like, I, like again, sorry for the humor, but it's like, I'm not sure that I'm wrapping my brain around that. Well, notice communion with the Lord facilitates fellowship with the saints. And I'm not talking a potluck, okay? Like I've been to a really good, I've been to, I went to church in Dallas, Texas while I was in school. And those folks in the South know how to put on a potluck, okay? I've been to some mighty fine Baptist potlucks, okay? They do a really good job. That's not what I'm talking about here. But for communion with the Lord creates fellowship. If there are two people in communion with the Lord, they will have fellowship. They will eat and drink. They will be sustained. Notice in Genesis 31, 54, then Jacob offered sacrifice upon the mount. And what's what's he do? After he he communes with the Lord and he calls his brethren to eat bread and they did eat bread and they tarried all night in the mount. Not because they were hooping it up and partying, but because they kind of didn't want to leave the connection of the Lord that the Lord provides. But here's the problem. And so it's like, well, arguably should have been in the struggle, but here's part of the problem. They did eat and drink. That's part of the victory. But fellowship of the saints doesn't necessarily mean the presence of the Lord. All right. So I struggled on this wording a little bit because in Matthew 18, it might seem to say different because where where are um, Verse twenty: For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Right. So, Mitch, that actually is a contradictory statement. That fellowship of the saints doesn't necessarily mean the presence of the Lord. Well, I don't know. I, I think there's conditions here. In Matthew eighteen, moreover, if thy brother trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee. Thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. Context, context, context. Again, I say unto you that if two of you agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my father, which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Like, it's pretty clear to me that doesn't just like... I mean I don't want to be too crass, but but there are multiple men fit in the bathroom up up at up at the main at the main building. Just because two of us are going to the bathroom at the same time is Jesus in the midst of that? Well, yes, by definition because we're the temple of the Holy Ghost. Okay? But I think you're tracking my point that ministry Communion with the Lord isn't due to the fact that two people are in the same place. It's due to the fact that reconciliation is happening. Ministry is happening. They're praying. Like, I walk into Walmart and another believer is there. Is Jesus in the midst of that? Have you ever been to Walmart? I don't think Jesus goes into Walmart. (laughs) Now, by definition... By definition, Jesus is there because I'm there, if you will. But that principle is everywhere a believer goes, Jesus goes. That isn't everywhere there's two or more are gathered in my name. Like, it, there's, a, there's a, a, a concept here of ministry, of gathering in his name and for his ministry purpose, right? That this concept in this co- this context of reconciliation and prayer. Notice a very similar wording that Paul uses. Oh, I, I didn't put it on there. In 1 Corinthians, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 4. Actually, right, turn to 1 Corinthians 5 for, for just a minute. 1 Corinthians 5. What's the first thing that pops into your head when you think of 1 Corinthians 5? Anybody? Yeah, a bad situation. guys sleeping with his mother-in-law or stepmother. I mean, stepmother Paul's addressing it like they're dealing with church discipline notice in verse four and in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when ye are gathered together in my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ to deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord of the Lord Jesus. Like literally in the name of, when you are gathered together, like there's a concept that ministry, and in this case, ministry of discipline and dealing with purity in the church, the Lord's gonna be present for that. Like ministry, it's not just because like, if I have Jason over to watch the Chiefs win, say another Super Bowl. (laughs) I mean, they're just coming like crazy at this point. Is Jesus there? Well, yeah, but that's not why we're together. We're there because Mahomes is the quarterback, right? Like that's different. That's not because Jesus is the quarterback. I don't, this, it's breaking down. Okay, let's just move on. <laughs> the glory of the Lord abode six days and the seventh day he called Moses. Now that's real interesting because they're hanging out for a week up there. So, we need to learn how to rest in the glory of the Lord. Notice it's not resting in our glory, it's resting in what the Lord has done. This is a really interesting phase in the development of the nation. And you've probably heard me catch myself. I, I will refer to them as the nation of Israel, and then I'll catch myself and call them the children of Israel because they're not really a nation yet. They're not really a nation yet. And what are they doing? They're growing. They're maturing and this process takes time. God communicates truth through Moses and they have to mature and they have to mature. And Moses gets more information and, and communicates this. They just need to rest in what the Lord has done and wait on his timing. Wait on his timing. It's important. He's like, wait there. And then Moses come up further. Psalm one thirty five and six says, I wait for the Lord, my soul doth wait, and in his word do I hope. My soul waiteth for the Lord more than they that watch for the morning. I say more than they that watch for the morning. Like, are we content? And this parlays on last week's message about victory and patience. Why are we in such a hurry? Trust the Lord's timing. Just wait for on the Lord. Because every time in this situation I was talking about, that and I don't want to go into a lot of detail, partially for time, partially it just wouldn't be prudent to go in. I, there, I, I had like five or six opportunities to push my way through the door of the situation. And every time the Lord kept, nope, 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 just, just be patient, just be patient, just wait. I was like, okay, I'm trusting you, Lord. And then as a result of all of it, it closed because of timing. Like the Lord just showed me again and again, just wait on me, just wait on me. Don't try to push yourself, just I'm God. I've got this, I'm God. So they sat down, Job, notice Job. They sat down with him upon the ground seven days and seven nights and none spake a word unto him. This is called sitting shiva uh, and the Jews Jews still do it, Some some form of this even today, sitting shiva. They just sit with someone that mourns. They don't talk and they sit there for a week. They'll go to their house literally for a week and just, just be there, just be there. And that's really important. That's, now, this is a mourning component, but it's the exact same thing with the glory. Just sit at his feet and wait for the master to tell you to go or where to go. So victory principle number three, and we'll wrap up. Victory is found in the presence of God Wait on him. If Moses wasn't patient, he would have asked, because there's a lot more coming from the Lord, like a lot more, like whole books that are coming, right? That Moses is going to have to get down. I mean, you thought four chapters was a lot. Moses is going to run out of lead in his pencil by the time Leviticus is done. Like, yeah, I know. Yeah, historically inaccurate. He did not use a pencil. His papyrus and quill would have worn, his quill would have worn out. from. I don't know. But the point is, the point is just be patient and wait on the Lord. Look at Zephaniah. It's a, a little bit of a, 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 a different reference. But Zephaniah chapter one, verse seven, hold thy peace at the presence of the Lord God. For the day of the Lord is at hand, for the Lord hath prepared a sacrifice. He hath bid his guests. Just come. Just come. And I wish, I, honestly, I wish I was preaching this message in church or some version of it. Because I would, I would look out and we don't have an, uh, an invitation in class. But I would be like, y'all get out of your chairs, get out of your pews and bear your heart before the Lord. That's the, only, that's the only thing that is going to sustain your ministry. The minute you think, I've got this, it's on my schedule, I'm good, whatever, right. it's not good. Always, always have a plan to reconnect with the Lord as soon as ministry is done. And again, I know the Lord goes with us in ministry, so don't take my words out of context. Thank you. Let's pray. (laughs) Lord, you're really good to us. We thank you so much for loving us. We thank you for um, the fact that you allow your creation to come to your feet, to hear directly from you, to see you. Uh, I just, I can't even imagine what it was like to be one of those 74 men that were on the mount that actually got to see you, got a glimpse of your eternal state, your eternal being, um, must've been pretty, pretty amazing. And they did that because Moses communicated your truth. And so Lord, help us communicate truth to those we minister to help folks respond to that, uh, in communion with you. We ask these things in Jesus name. Amen.